Bunsen. Dolly. Internal. Why do we need? Patrick. Oscar. Isaac. Transplanting. Hello, everyone. Welcome to uh, a new podcast uh, with me, uh, Stephen Lee, and with Nick Evans. Hello. How are you doing, guys? You all right out there? Yeah, so uh, this, is our, this is our first podcast. Um, we're, uh, so this really is about the making of a podcast. This is our first attempt at doing it and deciding what our podcast is going to be. Have you got any ideas, Nick? I think it's going to be fairly loose and freestyle with an edge of shambolicness around the edges. Mm. And Does that make sense? And some science on top, sprinkled on top. What's science, Steve? It's <laughs> a very good question, Nick. So we're, we're both scientists. Uh, uh, what, we're both... What, what is science? What is... <laughs> well, I don't know. What is science? What do you think science is? What's, what is science to you? Oh, it's a source of income. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. A, a poor source Sorry, of I'm income. Sorry, I'm interrupting your flow, Steve. No, no, not what at all. What are you saying? So, um... Oh, you made me lose my train of thought there. So this is a, it's a new podcast. We're both uh, scientists and academics. Uh, we both uh, work in universities and we do scientific research. Um, I'm, a, I'm a chemist. Uh, Nick here's a biologist. Uh, and our goal here is really to have a bit of a chat in a kind of relaxed way and, uh, and, and, and try and do a bit of uh, scientific engagement. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, that sounds like pretty much exactly what I was thinking. Fantastic. Right, so, so maybe I should introduce myself first. Uh, my name's Stephen Lee. I'm a um, physical chemist. I work at the University of Cambridge. Uh, and the research in my lab is focusing on uh, building microscopes uh, to address biological problems. How about so, you? So basically you're a microscope engineer, Steve. Microscope monkey, yeah. You're flunky monkey. Microscope monkey, I like yeah. that. So, yeah. yeah, Steve the chemist, microscope monkey. Great. Maybe I should get that on a card, a business card, just say microscope monkey. I thought monkey. you already had. I don't have a card. Do you have a card? I've got a card. I think I might have one in my back pocket. Really? Can actually. I have it? Can I have your card? You can can it be like card. that scene in um, uh, American Psycho? It, it, at the moment, it doesn't. You don't look like um, uh, Christian Bale. There you go, dude. Look, it's out of date. I was saying. Wow. So it says lecturer in bioengineering. Well, you've just been promoted, haven't you, Nick? Well, it was a while ago now. Well, you haven't updated your card. Now I'm Science Cowboy, that's my official science title. Science Cowboy, so Microsoft Monkey and Science Cowboy. Exactly, yeah. It's great, isn't it? Maybe that could be the name of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be crap. I like uh, that. <laughs> so I'm, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I've got, yeah, I'm different. I'm, I'm what's called, a, well, I would have been a senior lecturer, but they've changed all of the, the names. So right. now I'm an associate professor, Some, what, which some... is what I tell people when I go on an aeroplane these days. Professor. Yeah, because I'm, I reckon that they might give me a better seat. And also, if someone like says, is there a doctor in the house, right? When you're a professor, you don't have to worry about that. Whereas, you know, like I am. So I kind of have to be the, I have that worry that they might look down the passenger list. Yeah, but maybe they'll want, maybe they want a microscope. They're, maybe they're, they're they requesting a doctor specifically a doctor because they really, they're on the plane. And they just, they're going away on holiday and they, they think, I need to look at some small stuff. I need to directly now, visualize and biology. Exactly. And so um, they if you would you know, you that would be your, well, that if would that, be your forte. If that happens, I am I've I've got their you back. Totally nailed it if that happens. That's great. Yeah, but that's yeah, I'm a biologist, so I don't do um any physical labour like Steve. Steve is a physical chemist. It's, He's good at heavy lifting. That doesn't mean you're good at beating heavy people lifting. up. No, it doesn't. It's it means got a, a really big beard at the moment as well. It's pulling me off. It's a massive beard. He never used to have a big beard, and he's recently moved to London part time, and he's had one of these trendy Shoreditch type sort of haircut type things. Thanks, Nick. 
Yeah, and I'm still I'm in his shambolic. I turned up covered in paint. Yeah, so Steve came down from uh, from um, London mm. today. That's right. And uh, came to my house. This is where we're actually recording from, as we it's speak. Very we're exciting. in my, we're in um, uh, Palace Evans in uh, sunny Southampton. It's very palatial. Absolutely, yeah. So, um, but yeah, he's he's definitely moved on in the world, and I'm a shambolic scientist here in Southampton. You just I'm said a, you're a professor. Yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. He's moved on we in the world. Both know that. Come on. Okay. Are you dreaming of being an associate professor? Well, this, I think this is all getting a little bit. Um, why, why don't we? Yeah, I, I'm, no, I'm not dreaming of being an associate professor. No, no, we don't have that in Cambridge. Don't you? No, we don't have that system. Well, they do you in have, Oxford. You have like um, chief magician. Chief, yeah, exactly. Because you all wear wizard, wizard. Yeah, all wizard wear, first class. You yeah. wear yeah wizard capes. Wizard capes. And you wizard yeah. around. That's right. Wizard dinners. Yeah. Wizard. I've of course lectures. visited you in Cambridge as well. You did, yeah. Because you, you enjoy got, it. I did really enjoy it, yeah. So um, it's a very different academic life in Cambridge, I think, to in Southampton. How so? Well, you seem to be part of these colleges. That's right, yeah. And we don't have those in Southampton. Mm. We go into sort of anonymous concrete buildings and do our work, and you seem to do your work in, in like, churches and things. They well, look like churches. They do look like churches. They all have chapels, generally. But um, they, uh, they, that's not where we actually do our work. If you're, an, if you're a um, scientist, you still go into a big, ugly concrete building. Um, but sometimes you get to go for dinner at, um, in nice old buildings, which is a fantastic privilege uh, and a pleasure. So I'm very lucky to be a part of that. Yeah, but then don't you have to do weird handshakes? Well, there's obviously, yeah, there's, there's the weird handshakes. And when I was there, they were all speaking Latin as well. <laughs> and a man, an old man, came out with a, like a gong. That's right. And he rang a gong. Yeah, this is and true. And then all of these students came in and they all looked like people on University Challenge. You know the slightly twitchy, strange ones on University Challenge? Yeah, all a little bit whole... underweight, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some of, there were a few normal ones there. Yeah. yeah I'm not sure what they'll become. <laughs> um, but then there, were, there was a strange mixture. But anyway, yeah, they ring a, ring a gong and you speak in Latin. We don't have that in Southampton. You don't speak in Latin. You probably spend some time speaking in Latin as a biologist. It's probably quite, there's bits of Latin flying about. That's true, yeah. I mean, I suppose a lot of species names originate from the Latin. Mm. Yeah, the, the nomenclature is Latin. But yeah, so yeah, I'd probably be a better biologist than if I was in Cambridge because I'd just be speaking it all the time. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe we should do a Latin podcast. <laughs> We'd like increase our audience by I don't know two. two. Exactly. Both of them would enjoy it. Yeah, maybe we could. We'd obviously both have to learn oh. Latin first. But other than that, I don't see a problem in your plan. Yeah. Well, this really is an idea. I think you know this is our first podcast, so we're really trying to work out exactly what it's going to be and and and, and what we're going to talk about. It is, and like, there's two ways that we can do it, and maybe people can, can say what they like and what they don't like. That's right. I mean, I, I think just in a reverent chinwag about, you know, how, what it's like to be a scientist working at university. I you agree. know, because we are, we've been, to any of you budding scientists out there, the career path usually is PhD. You do a PhD after your degree for three or four years in the UK, longer if you're in America. Um, and then you work as something called a postdoc. That's when Steve and I met when we were postdocs in America. That's right. Living the dream in California. We both got into surfing. I got into bodybuilding. That's right. Um, yeah, I was in the developed, movies. I was in the movies. About like the heroin addiction. I was in. I was in X Men. Yeah, <laughs> that's what happened to me. No, I went and worked in um, in a lab in the. Steve worked in a lab in the dark, actually. <coughs> That's true. That's why he was so pale and unhealthy when I met him. That's true. Now he's still pale. Now he's a little beard. Though. Still pale. Though. He's hiding it with his beard. <laughs> but yeah, so um, yeah, um, 
we met there, and then after, you, if you're lucky, after you've done a postdoc, you can apply to to have a proper job. Mm. So when you're a postdoc, you're working for like on a fixed term contract for two or three years. So it's it's like being a general temp. You're kind of a temp. Yeah. yeah. People um, think academia is this kind of cushy lifestyle that you were alluding to, but actually it's quite stressful in some ways because you you don't get employed you don't have a full-term contract steve look at us we're broken men that's true we were discussing this the other day what's wrong we've just you know it's the stress the stress it's got to us that's true sorry yeah. there's alcohol we can pour that on top is that what it is maybe that's what it was maybe yeah. it wasn't the stress <laughs> no there's the stress but we oh. pour alcohol on it oh do to, we to make see i didn't even know what we're talking about i'm that confused <laughs> anyway so you get yeah then you get proper so steve and me me and steve steve and i La la la. We've got proper jobs now. So um, I'm a I'm a member of the academic staff, and, and Steve is a uh, a Royal Society fellow. That's right. Mm. Which means I just don't have to teach, which I'm very lucky about. So I just so my lab and, and I just do research. But I like teaching. Do you? I like teaching. Yeah, it's good fun. I I enjoy it, but it's uh, fantastic to have the option to not have to teach. Of course, of course. <laughs> Um, what we were saying was we, we, we could we, you know we we're going to talk a bit about what it's like to be an academic um, um, or we could um, we can also talk about our um, about we, interesting things can't we throw in some obscure references to popular culture that's what I was looking forward to I think you already have haven't you right maybe yeah I mentioned that we could talk about we could talk about movies like the scientific accuracy of movies or, or things that annoy you Things that annoy me. I'll tell you what movie annoyed me recently. Really? What's that? And I know, I know what you're going to say. It's going to irritate me. <laughs> so I watched a film not so long ago Stop called... Stop putting up the, the suspense. What film is it? It was called The Martian. The Martian. And I know, I, I can already tell... By Andy Weir. I don't know who the hell it is. It's that yeah. bloke, what's he called? Matt Damon. Matt Damon! You know, the and Ridley the, Scott, yeah. yeah the, it's based on a book by South. Andy Weir. It's an excellent book. Oh, right, okay. Well, I've not read the book. I've not had the benefit of reading the book. But I, the film was... It's long. It goes on and on and on. And it's its kind of um, quite far-fetched. Well, for anyone that doesn't hasn't seen The Martian or knows about it... Well, I won't... I'll tell you what. Let's avoid doing spoilers, because people might not have seen the film yet. But uh, I'm going to slag it off. Okay. Is that all right? Steve? Yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. Okay. So, um, it's kind of like... It, it tries to be... It's trying its best to be scientifically accurate. Right. And it's kind of like appealing to your, oh, what, how am I going to say this? But hey, hey, I'm a scientist. You know, it's like the new geek, the new geek cool. Right. It's like appealing to the new geek cool. So the, 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 the Brian Coxes of this world. I wouldn't even say the Brian Coxes of this world. That's like the, the wannabe more, Brian Coxes of this oh, world. Oh, so like the kind of like a Silicon Valley startup hey, culture. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That's sort of, and it's kind of like it plays on the scientific accuracy and there's all that stuff about the different... You know, they find that satellite. What's the satellite called? That they Which found. They, they dig it out of a hole. Uh, he he drives. All oh, night. the power, the power thing. The, I uh, can't remember what it yeah, is. Yeah, it's some it's satellite. They said, but anyway, so the the film plays on the fact that it's scientifically accurate. Yeah, yeah, and that's what the whole point of the film is. But ultimately, it's just a load of far fetched nonsense. 
So, so I draw me to throw, throw some bits in here. Throw so, some bits back okay. at me, Steve. So the book originally. So I have seen the film once, but I read the book twice. Um, the book's by a gentleman called Andy Weir, who uh, was a software engineer, just like working in um, uh, the job he didn't like very much. And he started writing a book, uh, a blog about a, a man that got left behind on um, on Mars. And uh, people started reading it, and people started making comments about it. And then he uh, he. Um, People asked it. Well, can can we have a PDF of it? Can we? Uh, uh, and he started kind of going away and and, and trying to p- PDFing his blog and uh, and kind of trying to going back to make it scientifically accurate. So he was like just this was like a thing that he was freestyling. He was just and doing people it were giving evening. and people were kind of giving him feedback. They're, they're saying that wouldn't work, you know, like like ah, oh, oh, so you have right. to think about orbital dynamics and things like that. So he had to write. So it's interesting. You chat to him now, and they they um, write. Um, um, kind of uh, software to do orbital dynamics. There's not actually you don't just solve the the equations. And actually, since going on having done this, because he couldn't work out the equations on how to work out about the the uh, orbit of of Mars and Earth and their relative positions, he just wrote wrote it in computer code. And that's actually how NASA does it. They don't. They apparently that's how they do it. Anyway, he had these these uh, th- this kind of story, and um, he said he wanted to put it on Amazon. And unfortunately, in Amazon, you have to you have to pay to have something on your Kindle. So he did this. So he published it for free on his website, or he said. For one dollar, which was the cheapest, uh, the smallest amount of money you could you can charge on Amazon, that you can you can have Amazon put that story on your Kindle, and then after that, everyone started reading it, and then it got onto the top ten of the um, like the. So hang on a minute. So now it's a book. So now it's a book. He finished it. So it's, it's not a big... bunch of PDFs. It's a full on book. It's a full on book. With a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah. Is Matt Damon in it? Matt Damon. No, 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 Matt Damon. So he at didn't all. have Matt Damon in it. Matt Damon wasn't well, cast. How did it work? It must what have been boring without Matt Damon. Who would you go? <laughs> Did you, when you were watching it, were you thinking you could do this? Uh, no. no. I was thinking I'm glad I'm not him. Right. <laughs> and I was thinking I'd never have thought to do that. And I would have, I think I would have just given up. Really? You'd have just like, just, just drunk all of the booze, ate all the food, had one big blowout and then just walked out into the, the empty void of, of the Martian atmosphere. Is that what you were doing? Was there booze? I didn't know there was booze. There must have been booze. I reckon there was booze. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because there was yeah. potatoes. Then right? yeah, yeah, that's what I would have done. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I think it's um, yeah, and then and then after that, I didn't know that. That that makes it more interesting. Yeah, and so Ridley Scott and then um, Matt Damon kind of got involved with that, um, and actually Andy Weir now, who actually if you um, you can um, he's done quite a lot of interviews. You know, for instance, they make up a a unit in that called the Science Ninja, which is kilowatts per soul, I think. Uh, which is the kind of unit because he gets bored of saying kilowatts per soul, so he invents kilowatts per soul. 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 Yeah. So uh, he invents a unit, and now. Actually, if you go through and do the um, the analysis, that, I mean, a watts is just a joule per second. So really, yeah. all it is is watts. It's a joule. It's a joule. Oh per right, yeah, but it's just over the course yeah. of a day, or exactly. Than a but but now NASA have actually adopted not pirate ninjas. Oh. They use milli pirate ninjas. Cyrus, so, isn't it beautiful? I hate those wankers. No, it's great. Oh no, they so they've come up with some stupid terms. No, no, they, they actually use it in the Martian program. They use now. They use the the, but they the the, vo- the voltage difference. So it's milli. It's like the, it reminds me of all of the you know these genes in biology. There's lots of genes that they discovered in in Drosophila, and they're all named after things that happens when the genes go wrong. Like Sonic Hedgehog. There's like hairless and you know all kinds of weird things. And there's one of them was called Hedgehog because the, the fly looks sort of spiky. And then I think they were doing the work in in a mouse, and. I, you know that genes in in lower animals like insects are often that you can find them in in bigger animals like us, for instance, as well. Called homologs, aren't they? Exactly. Yeah, mm. I think so. 
There's another word called orthologs as yeah. well, but I can't remember the distinction. I should know that. I would definitely ask you if I didn't want... I one. wish I knew. I should look at Wikipedia. You should really practice before you show up. Oh, God. <laughs> it always happens to me. Oh, my biology. Therefore, you have to know everything about I biology. I hate physical scientists. Anyway, yeah, but they, when they discovered it in the mouse, it's the same gene, it's the homologous gene, and they called it Sonic Hedgehog. Right. Yeah, I was playing the Nintendo and I yeah. wanted to do... <laughs> I mean, isn't that nice? I like cool. Yeah. But come on. It's kind of nice, but it, I, it makes me cringe. I don't know why. I think it's because I've, I'm, I've, there's a lot of hate in my body. That's true. I can, yeah. I can vouch for the yeah, hate. I, don't I can feel the hate a little bit now. No, um, no, no, no but just... I don't, don't, you, don't you think it's nice when art imitates science? So, for instance, when we do make a kind of virtual reality, you know, I think it will be called the holodeck. And we, when we do, if we do invent faster than light travel, it will be called warp drive. Yeah, but we don't call Skype, I mean, whatever they called it in Star Trek. We don't call I mean, they had video, I don't know what they called, like when they did, they had a picture of a face on a screen and you could right, talk to it. video conferencing. That's it wasn't mean. called video conferencing. No, but that's what you mean. That's what you, that's yeah, but this, it was called, people called Skype now, don't they? They do. The Unless you to want Skype. to be formal about it and you call it video conferencing. Yeah. Or you call it like some other thing. <laughs> that's true. So, but, but, no, but don't you like? It doesn't necessarily mean that everything in art has to be translated to real science. But isn't it nice when? I mean, yeah, I know, I know, I know what you you're mean. just being, you're just being a curmudgeon. You, uh, you like it? Well, really. I am a curmudgeon. I know. What can I do about that? That's just the way I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Anyway, so um, yeah, but what the, I mean, I, I was talking about the march. I mean, I tell you, the, the reason that I thought it was inferior because. There's another film called Apollo 13. Right? It's very similar to Apollo 13, isn't it's, it? It's very similar, but Apollo 13 is vastly superior. Because it's directed because by it Richard actually... Cunningham, that's why. What, from Happy Days? Yeah, exactly. I never knew that. You didn't that. know Ron Howard directed Apollo I 13? Was, I thought it was The Fonz. No. I thought it was The Fonz. Wrinkler. No, 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 it's, it's, it's Ron Howard. Oh, wow, well, there you go, eh? So what did The Fonz direct? I don't know. I don't think he's directed anything. Oh, I think maybe Star Trek? No, maybe. the first Star Trek. No, Star Trek 6. The Undiscovered Country. Oh, maybe. That was Fonz. Wow. The guys from Happy Days have done pretty well out of themselves, haven't they? You wouldn't they think, have. You wouldn't think, looking yeah. back, that those people would actually go on to th- be... Actually, Steve, thinking about it, like, it might not have been the Fonz who did Star Trek 6. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't know it was Richie Cunningham anyway. Yeah. But anyway, the point about that film was, Apollo 13 was a really nice self-contained film. It was realistic, because it happened, obviously. It's probably a bit embellished. But it was a great story, and it had a good ending, and it, it didn't go on for like three bloody hours, and um, it was you know it was it was a little bit more. I I, I agree. I think Apollo well thirteen paced. is better. I would say the book in the the Martian in the book is actually you should read it because it's very good. Well, and maybe I, I can read it and then I can give you my opinions. Maybe next we should time. Have, we could do another podcast after you've read it, and you maybe yeah, you've yeah, withdrawn yeah. all of your previous yeah. hate from the Martian. Anyway, I, what I would say just to finish on the Martian is that, that the, quite a lot of the point of the book is it's kind of his relative isolation you know and so it gets quite boring but that's supposed to imitate the mood of the character no but come on hang on a minute there's so many other films that have done isolation better give me an example well I mean I'm not saying this is an amazing film but I quite like it Castaway with Tom Hanks when he's on that island that's very good oh god am I is this a Tom Hanks thing maybe maybe, have you got a thing for Tom Hanks there's another one a brilliant film by Zowie Bowie Mm. I can't remember yeah, his real name. Moon. Yeah. That was a great, but that's a psych- more of a psychological. It could have been anywhere, really. It didn't have to, didn't be, have on to be on the moon. But that was an examination of what. And it, it's the same thing. I mean, Robinson mm. Crusoe, arguably the first novel ever written. Robinson Crusoe. I'm getting quite erudite now, aren't we? Well, you know, I'm an erudite guy. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm pretending, though. There's probably someone who'll. Because we're, we're doing this in front of an audience. I can't con you anymore, can I? That's true. There's I people that can fact checks in seconds just by Googling. 
Yeah, anyway, anyway that was that was a bit about the Martian. I like that. Yeah. So I think one of the things we want to do with this podcast is to is to kind of open this up to social media. So I think if anyone has any questions about any uh, scientific questions in general, or if they have, particularly if they're silly, we're looking for silly scientific questions. They don't have to be silly. Really? I, they I can be really serious, and then we'll just demean them with silliness. Okay. So if they're, if they're serious, we'll make them silly and vice versa. If they're right? silly, we'll make them serious. very serious and okay, go really, really boring. Don't be silly. Yeah, so you Don't can, be silly. You can tweet them to me uh, on Twitter. Uh, so I'm at Steve the Chemist. And I'm at the Evans Lab. Right, yeah. So I think if you have any questions that for us, please... Please tweet them to us and we'll do, our, we'll do our best to answer. Great, them. and that's ending the first part of our podcast. Do you today. enjoy it? Oh, I did. I really it's enjoyed it. Going well. Can we have a beer now? Why not? I think it's time. I've only got one though. We're going to have to go to the shop. Because I was doing the garden this morning. You had a beer in the garden on your own? Yeah, I was trying to set up this new kind of um, water concentration device. <laughs> For my garden. Because so you know, it's quite dry in Southampton. Well, uh, it's come from that film, The Martian. Right. Because you never that. know why bad, when bad things might happen. That's true. Uh, anyway. Right. Let's go and get beer, Steve. Cheers. Thanks very much. Hello. Hello, Steve. Hello, Nick. We're back. We uh, we've just been out to get some um, some beers actually. We so, have. Um, Did you miss us? Uh, I, Hopefully. Oh, you're asking them. I'm Sorry. Asking the, oh, not me. The Sorry. So I thought for a second you were talking to me then, mm. asking whether I'd missed you. No. I do miss you though. Thanks. It's yeah. good to when see you. When we were apart. Yeah. yeah. It's good to see you too. Um, yeah, we just went out to get some beers. So Steve's visiting from Cambridge. Steve's a scientist in Cambridge. I'm I'm working in Southampton. Steve's come down to do this podcast today. So we went out and we got a few beers for tonight. I think we'll go for curry or something. That sounds great. Scientists go for beers and curry. Well, I think it's <clears throat> talking about science and drinking beers are two of my most favourite things to do. That's great. Steve, are scientists normal? <laughs> How did you find normal, Nick? Well, that's a whole other question, isn't it? Well, it's integral to yours. Um, I think that you can probably objectively say that normality means something to most people so i mean normal as in like not are like, you asking all their common not traits that scientists are we has, weird are we weird i think we are yeah i don't think i'm weird i think you're weird why do you think i'm weird no i think i think if you're asking <clears throat> is there certain traits that are more common in the scientific community than to the population as a whole I think the answer to that is yes. You think they're weird? I tell you what. Yeah. I mean, and I mean no offence to my colleagues at the University of Southampton, but I think there's a higher proportion... <coughs> I think there's a higher proportion of weird people working for the university than I see in my sort of normal life outside of the university. So what is it specifically that makes you think that scientists are weird? Personality problems that they have. Personality, for instance? Well, I don't know. Some of them are just a little bit... Um, you can look. You can get some really um, balanced, socially, you know, adequate scientists who are able to hold a conversation, look you in the eye, things like that. But more often than not, you don't get that. So you're saying their emotional intelligence is low. The EQ, I believe. The I didn't know there was an EQ. Yeah. Yeah. So their IQ might be reasonably high, although in many cases, in my experience, not really. But their yeah, their emotional ability it can be 
sometimes rather limited. I'd like to postulate a third Q. I want to do the HQ, which is the uh, that's where you the handshaking quotient. I think scientists have particularly poor handshaking skills, and I think that's quite important in life. Shake my hand, Steve. See, that's I think so. That's a good handshake. I'm happy we, we, with that. We just shook hands, I'm, I'm, by the way. We did, and I'm happy with that handshake. I think you have a slight. There was a slight too much pressure there, which um, may be um, illustrated a little bit of insecurity somewhere in the background. So you had to squeeze my hand harder than otherwise necessary. Well, I, well, <clears throat> me personally, if I have to pick that level, I'd rather go slightly too hard than too weak. You don't want a weak handshake. I, I, I actually agree <clears throat> with you. I actually agree with you. Now, I've got a separate question. It's not totally related to science, really. If you are shaking um, a female colleague's hand mm. or someone in a meeting, mm. do you... Do you moderate your handshake for a female colleague? Uh, I'd like to think no, but I don't have any data. We should, we should, we should <laughs> set are, that up. You, you want to do some data collection? Well, I just, I would like, like a to pressure think pressure sense. Well, I don't know because what I'd would like be the? Would you? <laughs> <laughs> but would you? So, would you? How would you do the ethics for that? Would you? Would the person know? Uh, no, they wouldn't. They wouldn't be able to know because no, then they would. No, you can. You'd have to. You'd have to get them in under a separate guise, but then they'd notice you'd have a little pressure sensor in your hands. Anyway, yeah, but um, it's a good idea. We should do it. Okay, Steve, you can do the ethics. I'll, I'll, I'll do the experiment. Well, maybe we should talk about ethics. <laughs> I haven't finished talking about handshakes. Oh, sorry. Okay, yeah. I was going to say that I, until quite recently, I would give a female colleague more of a wet, limpy handshake. Why? I don't know. Maybe, Maybe like in... Uh, an in you know an inbuilt sort of slight sexism. Right. I don't know. You think you're deep down you're you're a sexist. I don't know. I I like to think that I'm not, but you know I I'm open well, I like to, to I'm open to feedback. But I, you know I since I, so I I've had a I had a, my my girlfriend my partner had a strong word with me about it, and now I do the whole firm handshake thing. Oh really? Yeah. How, how did you, how did how I feel much better about myself? Good. I, I've been doing it wrong for ages. So how did what how did she broach that subject? She just told me I was a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something along those lines, right? And so then I've decided that I've changed it now. So when I'm doing the whole firm handshake, look in the eyes thing, mm. you know, no, I'm, you know, I'm, tr- I'm not crushing their hands. I did hear a crack once, <laughs> but I think it was my knuckle. <laughs> well, good. There we yeah, go. Yeah, but going back to the original question, I I do think that um, that yes, yeah, scientists they can't they, they sometimes think, they don't look you in the eye. I think there's there's definitely a higher proportion of that than in the. Uh, um, the general population, I think that's true. Um, I think I don't think, to be honest, uh, programs like um, uh, what's that program that does this, the physicists in that's on E four. I don't know. You do the one that's got that annoying. Guy. Not the one about the Big Bang theory. That's oh, it. Right. I don't think things like that help with social social stereotypes. Assuming that all scientists are, you know. <clears throat> physically malcoordinated and yeah. and not physical anyway. I'm drawing the line here as well actually because I think more often than not people scientists at more junior levels, PhD students and postdocs, they're more normal than the full on academics. Absolutely, yeah. So we're we're, so we're full weird. on academics. We are, so we're weird. No, I'm normal. No, but within but that spectrum you're normal, but you're not normal. Oh right. Oh you're not you flip reversed it. So really basically is. We're so, so yours. We're, hang on, we're, a we're as good as it gets. So we're kind of normalish in the general scheme of things, but within our colleagues, we're, we're like weird super. because we're normal. Exactly. Whoa, that's yeah. messing Blowing with my up. brain. If you, if you listen very quietly, uh, uh, listeners, you can actually hear Nick's mind being blown. No, that's that's just my. I've got a problem with my guts at the moment. 
<laughs> had a few too many drinks. Fart jokes. Is that where we're going? Pie. Is that where we're going? Fart no, jokes. we're not going on to fart jokes. You said you could hear a noise, and I'm assuring you it's not my brain. It's my, um, it's my alimentary canal. <laughs> uh, anyway. anyway, yeah, we'll move on from that. Unless you, do you want to talk more about, no, we don't want to talk about my elementary canal. No. So, yeah, so um, I think that, in, you know, in the more junior echelons of scientists, they tend to be more normal, and it's when people get promoted to full positions that you tend to get lower. And do you think it continues going on? So would full professors be even more normal? I mean, I was, I was actually talking about this with a, with a friend of mine this morning. So academia is weird in the sense that people, once you get a job, generally it's kind of for life. You know, people get academic tenure and they don't generally leave a position is that right? I think in generally, generally that's true. And people move around within universities, but generally people don't... Lead it. For instance, in, you know, if you were just in the, uh, the private sector, it's actually quite a healthy thing for a company to exchange uh, all of its um, workforce to, to be there for a while and to move on. Ideas can change, you know, cultures can change more quickly because of that. And I think it's interesting because in, uh, in academia, because nothing changes, the, the, the people that got the job in the 70s, they were like the most liberal-minded. Generally, you find that, I think, would be a fair assumption in, in, in that the academics are quite liberal. Um, but they were the most they were the most radical thinkers of their time in the 70s. And now when you apply the kind of zeitgeist of 2016... Sorry. <laughs> sorry, um, I, I, sorry, I interrupted Steve. He was, was on sort of banging his hands on the table. When he gets excited, he kind of bangs his elbows and hands on surfaces. I do. Yeah. Can't help have it. you noticed it? People have told you before. No. but It's I, a thing I, you have, Steve. Really? Mm. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, you were talking about the no, liberal-minded academic. I think, I think we moved on now. Thank but... God for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. but they are... They are um, yeah, I think that... I mean, are you saying that I've got a job for life, Steve? Uh, pretty much, yeah. You know, have I you got the you've authority got... to say that? Does that mean um, I can just I'm not just the provost of Southampton University. Yeah, pretty much. You can just retire, get your head down, wait for retirement now. I think that's pretty much your plan, right? Wicked. Okay. Good. Oh, oh well, that's me done. I'm off to, I'm off to go and do something else. Hello everybody, Steve here. That's the end of our first podcast. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you want to hear more, please subscribe on SoundCloud with the Science Shed and also on iTunes. And uh, that's all for now. Bye.